in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully-proofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call at 513-575-9654. If you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, some type of employer-sponsored plan, even an NUA analysis, Here's the point. If you're no longer with the company, then as a rule, your money should not be there either. So we can help you take control, roll that out into a tax-neutral IRA, whatever the case may be, maybe moving it into a non-qualified account if we're separating your NUA from your cost basis. All that and more, we can help. 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, today we're going to be discussing when to call it quits and determining when you should fill in the blank there. When you should what? Quit your work and retire. That's what we're going to talk about. A lot of key factors that go into determining that. And it's it's not just when you're tired of working or if you're sick, you're not feeling well. You know, you're sick of working. Uh, it just could be an indication, but you've got to be ready, and we want to help you have a plan because this is going to revolve around the burning question that retirees, maybe someone just like you out there, constantly ask yourself, is it time? Can I? When can I? When should I retire? The question, it's not only requiring some deep thought, but should require even deeper planning. So when people think about retirement, well, it elicits all sorts of emotions. You might be excited, a little anxious, nervous, uh, fearful, fretful, you name it. It is true. When people do step in retirement, James, we do see, I don't know if you'd call it a psychosis, but about three to six months worth of adjustments, they either make it through it or they, they relapse and go back to work part-time or some new full-time direction where it's not as much about the money as it is exchange of time, socialization, uh, engagement, feeling uh, needed. It just, it's kind of a stew. It's a mix of emotions. So I think there is a lot of emotion in it, a lot of trepidation, but it doesn't have to be. You know, I think that if it were a, um, a teeter-totter, on one side you'd have all these, uh, the, the, the array of emotions that are the headwinds of knowing when to retire and feeling good about it. And the other side of it is the equivalency of, um, or to the degree that you've planned. So when the planning outweighs the, the anxiousness, the excitement, the um, anxiety, the nervousness, the fears, the uncertainty, then guess what? You got the picture. More planning offsets those emotions that could keep you from doing what you need to do when you need to do it and enjoy doing it at that. So when people do start thinking about saying goodbye to that paycheck, you know, you've been receiving one for years, you've been constructively working, and now you're about to be, um, gosh, uh, voluntarily unemployed for a while, you may feel a pit in the bottom of your stomach. It's not necessary. So today it seems, you know, retirement out there, it's not quite as carefree as it once was. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You could be um, concerned about declining declining health. Think about the stability of having a pension or some kind of safety net that you perceive for income, and you know your income needs will change. Will there be enough of a cost of living adjustment in your pension if you have one? Or will Social Security keep up with your actual cash flow needs versus 
just uh, how the government seems to increase Social Security almost on an equivalent basis with the amount of increase in Medicare premiums. So it's like shifting pockets and you don't actually get to improve your lifestyle, let alone support it at times. You know, a lot of factors go into this. So that would be what is equivalent to the trepidation about your retirement. And planning and preparing is the antidote for this, uh, this stomach acid. It's the plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. It can be. So reducing or eliminating these concerns, James, for pre-retirees, we need to cover all these bases when planning for retirement. And that is why it's critically important to understand how we're different. We're not Wall Street. We're fighting your side, shoulder to shoulder, side by side, wearing the same color jerseys, sitting on the same side of the table as your advocate. We are financial fiduciaries putting your interest first in every situation. We are not a brokerage firm, insurance agents, you know, an agency that works for the company. We're working for you. And that matters because we're holistic. When it's all of these areas of concern covering all the bases means you need to be working with a firm like ours that's holistic, can help you with investments, insurance, estate planning, financial planning, income planning, investment management, insurance solutions, all brought together to help you succeed on purpose. So today we want to discuss many of the key factors you need to plan for when thinking about your retirement date. Well, let's get to the thought-provoking questions that tie into today's show. So for starters, what factors should I consider before I decide to retire? We're not just talking financial decisions, but maybe emotional or maybe philosophical decisions. For example, when someone says, who are you versus what do you do? How do you identify yourself? Is it simply what your job, what your occupation is or was? Those are, those are factors. So if you're not quite ready to let go, that's maybe a factor to consider before you pull the plug on retirement. What happens if you retire before age 65? You need health care, health insurance. What happens with the pre-Medicare health insurance market? How affordable is that? What are your COBRA options? How about can you continue to work beyond what we think as retirement age and still draw Social Security? So if you're still working and you're drawing Social Security, how about the earnings test? Depending upon what age you are compared to your full retirement age, how does the earnings test affect your potential benefits? At what age maybe should you start drawing Social Security? Is there still a way, and the answer is yes, to maximize not only your individual work record retirement benefits, Social Security benefits, but also perhaps spousal benefits, family benefits? Family benefits include, for some, dependent parents. For others, it includes dependent children. All right? How do you, as, as far as transitioning from making contributions to accounts to then distributing from the accounts? So this is the different phases of life. What we think is the contribution phase, transitioning into the preservation phase, and then into the distribution phase. Is there any type of specific rule of thumb that should refer to when seeing if your nest egg is large enough to retire? So think of that as like a stress test, if you will, for the withdrawal rate or your projected withdrawal rate? And does your projected withdrawal rate also factor in something that could be a major, major issue at this point in time? Inflation, what the government calls inflation or the official rate of inflation versus maybe the real life rate of inflation. What type of debt might be acceptable or maybe types of debt, plural, acceptable to still have in retirement? And Medicare, once you do reach the Medicare age, what percentage in general does Medicare typically pay when it comes to your, your health-related expenses, health care or health insurance or even out-of-pocket expenses? 
How do you know where to allocate your life savings when you retire? How do you know how to invest your savings when you retire? Is there a way to provide maybe a shock absorber for your investments, not only during retirement, but also in the planning phase for retirement? So these are just some of the questions that really should tie into today's show. Greg, any thoughts? Yeah, kind of across the board. Factors to consider before you retire? Every factor. And if you don't know the right questions, then how can you arrive at the right answers? Come see us. We want to lay out all the factors you'd be considering because now would be the time before you step into, um, you know, potentially the abyss of uh, ill preparedness in retirement. We'll lay out all the factors. We're qualified to do so. As I already mentioned, we're holistic. We cover all the bases. When you talk about retiring for before age 65 and not picking up Medicare as a health care solution, you need health care. What are the best options? Well, you might swing over to uh, a spouse's health plan through their employer for a season in time until they retire. You may be able to look at, as James mentioned, the COBRA, kind of tag along for 18 months, up to 36 months with the disability, be able to stay on the company plan long after you've left the company to bridge the gap between wherever you are and where, you know, age 65 Medicare begins. When you're looking at things like starting Social Security, well, what's the spouse's benefit versus your own? Uh, will they have a larger benefit? Will you be the primary benefit? Should you delay so that you build up a larger benefit so that if you pass, they keep one of the two, the larger of the two, and there's a survivor's benefit? A lot of considerations. Or just to get the party started, get you retired, get some cash flow in so you're not relying on all your investment dollars for the total income solution. Just what works best for you. Well, on Social Security, one perhaps unpleasant surprise out there is for people who have not really paid into the Social Security program. We're talking about teachers, public unions such as uh, firefighters, police officers, those types of people that have not really paid into Social Security. So the unpleasant surprise might be the two different types of offset provisions the government has because otherwise the government thinks you're, you're double dipping if you have your own private pension versus also having access to Social Security. Now, there are some, in fact, quite a few people who have paid in during their adult working lives into both their, like the school system, retirement system, and Social Security as well. So there might be some benefits available through both or maybe even full benefits through both. All those we can help you to consider what are the different factors that affect you or maybe the spouse as far as the individual versus collective you. Yeah, definitely. And and when you look at it, acceptable debt in retirement, tell you what, if you're carrying 6% cost of money or interest rates into retirement, you need to reconsider that. That's too much. And there's more to discuss. Please stay tuned because we're going to dive deep into this subject. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Calls we can help. And again, stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. The talk station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are an independent RIA. That's a registered investment advisory firm. We do work for clients, not companies. That's Main Street and not Wall Street. 
Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? You know, James, with this uh, subject today, when to call it quits, determining when you should retire, we're covering some key factors. And you mentioned some thought-provoking questions. And one of those that uh, lands upon a question we get often on what is a, an acceptable form of debt to carry forward, particularly into retirement or for those already retired. And um, there are folks out there, they're just hardwired not to have debt once they get debt-free uh, or they're approaching debt-free and just feel the urge that on or before the day of their retiring, they have to satisfy any remaining debt at all cost, literally, maybe even the cost of the healthier part of their retirement picture long-term. So what type of debt? Well, let's assume that um, the S&P or major indice over long periods of time investing uh, provides north of an 8% return. We might even call that moderate conservatively uh, assessing that you could expect over long periods of time uh, north of an 8% return, all in equities. Well, most retirees are not going to be all in equities. They're going to adjust the risk down to something a little more conservative leaning, uh, maybe moderate moderate conservative growth, 60-40, 65-35, 70-30, somewhere in there. So if we're fair and reasonable to ourselves, we should adjust that 8% down to, say, 6 So here's the answer to the question about debt. If you cannot create an arbitrage in your favor, that being a fancy term for uh, investing your money at a higher rate of return than you're paying out cost of money, and there's a, there's a difference, a margin, and that margin is positive in your favor, like your money's making money on money, that's what banks do, right? They invest at a higher level and they loan at a lesser level. And then the difference is a gain for the bank. And they do pretty well at the game, right? Well, so, so can you over a period of time, like the rest of your forever. So if you're looking at a return coming in at about 6% uh, on over time and your cost going out is about 6%, let's say you get a little tax advantage. This just basically makes 6% the highest carrying cost of money you should consider taking in retirement. If at all possible, work against doing that. Now, Beyond that, you know, 4%, 3%, 5%, even 6% if you're more uh, risk-oriented investing, more in equities than bonds or fixed income, you can create an arbitrage over time. Your money can appear in two places. It can be covering uh, the debt over time through income that you're paying down your payments over time at an agreed-upon cost, and you, the majority or the balance of your assets that would back that up are deployed long-term in your investment picture over the rest of your forever earning a higher rate of return on average, then you're out of pocket cost of money. You're making money by leveraging the debt. You've created a positive arbitrage. So there is some, you know, some math to apply to this. It's not something you just run from because after all, if you're asking the question, you're probably the person or persons or household that have the ability to extinguish that debt. And that's the whole question. Should you or should you not? So knowing that at any time you really freak out and hit the panic button, you can always pay off the darn thing. It's in your back pocket. But we're just telling you, don't be afraid of debt. You hear a lot of things from a lot of people. Does that mean you should believe it? We can at least back up our math and our statements. Because um, we're not get out of debt, uh, want to be you know, quasi-experts. This is what we do every day. We're not real estate agents. We're financial advisors, holistically deployed to help people just like you succeed. So this other thing about you know, how much money should you start drawing from your assets James, is it a percentage? You mentioned maybe some percentage. Is it going to be sufficient to cover inflation over time? Well, one of the simple um, examples just to share, and, and James, kick in anytime you want uh, on this. 
let's say you have a million dollars and you're invested over time and um, it, it's earning on average, say, 6% or better, you know, over three, five, seven, 10 years, rest of your forever. And um, you need about 4% of a million, 40,000 a year to make your budget work. So off you go, million dollars earning, uh, let's say you, you drew uh, the 4%, 40,000. But in the very next year, the market pulls back and your million dollar, let's say the million dollars goes down by 20% to 800,000. If you pull the same 4% on 800,000, now you're dealing with 32,000. You just took an 8,000 a year hit on cash flow if you're going to stick with a rule of like 4%. So it's really more about targeting how much money you need, not the percentage. And we'll back into the right investment mix so that you can earn an average over time to equal or greater that average of that percentage. So the cash flow can keep coming to you so you don't have to take intermittent cash flow cuts like pay cuts during your retirement. It's not a very exciting reality. So how much does it take? We need a plan for you, your mix, your risk, your tolerance, your investment style, the allocation that we're going to deploy, the purpose of money, how much for cash flow, how much for growth and appreciation. And you might say, well, if you're, you know, say Greg, first person here, you were, um, or or third person, I guess, if you were saying 6% on average and you just only took 4% or 40,000 on a million, what happened to that other 2%? Well, you need to hedge towards allowing some growth on average above what you're taking to answer the question James had about how do you address inflation? So you have to have enough growth to support your cash flow needs and grow your money and appreciate the principal over time so it can meet and exceed the expectation you have for future cash flow needs relative to inflation. So you just wouldn't think that some of these simple little questions could have such broad considerations. But whatever the question is that you have, we need to spend the time being as broad with you and then drill down to the specific answer that's right for you and yours. So you succeed. That's the key. Don't do this alone. There is research to support. I wish I had this statistic here today, James, that actively managed, advised funds, advised households, advised investors, advised retirees do better over time than those, let's say, well-informed do-it-yourself folks who believe that they're saving the cost of not having an advisor. Well, that carrying cost versus the cost of doing it yourself are different numbers. And you'll do better working with folks like us who are well-equipped to help you in all these areas than doing it yourself and perceiving that you're saving yourself some money. Uh, Penny-wise, pound-foolish is the old saying. That also comes with a major assumption that you followed the advice (laughs) instead of going off and maybe doing your own thing and then saying to your financial advisor, oh, by the way, here's what I've already done. Does this fit into my plan or not? Yeah, I've, I've, that fits into spiritual con- context, too. Uh, you know, the old saying, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission, or um, kind of making um, your will, your plan for life, kind of fit into uh, God's plan for your life. You know, it's just, uh, excuse me, Lord, I'm going to do this. Would you just bless it? I'd appreciate that. So final thought on debt. It doesn't matter as much the type of the debt as it does the affordability of the debt. And so, yes, typically when we think of what's productive versus maybe not so productive types of debt is when you have an appreciating asset, such as a mortgage. That usually is the acceptable types of debts in retirement or really at any phase of life versus maybe having a debt on a depreciating asset, usually such as your car. Now, that does mean always pay cash for your automobile. That just means take that into consideration about before you go off and pay something, is that really the right type of purchase? Is that an affordable purchase? So once again, the affordability of the debt is really the main point of that discussion. 
Yeah, Greg, that, what's next? That is a good point. So a lot of considerations here, and here's a pivot. The considerations and decisions you make before retirement versus when you're entering into retirement, how open are you to making some changes in a different financial phase of life? I think that's a good point because people often, and this is like saying, do you have an open mind about different types of things? So we're really focusing on the financial aspect about people not really having an open mind about making these types of financial changes when it gets to retirement, whether they're in retirement or simply planning for retirement. And that's also another issue too, is when, especially the husband-wife team, maybe one of them is already retired, the other one is not. And it might be a simple issue of one still is either ramping up, the other one's ramping down when it comes to still working, still accumulating versus the other one is not. They're in retirement now. So there's like the tug and the pull about are we accumulating assets or are we starting to distribute the assets as far as the accumulation phase versus the distribution phase? Yeah. And understanding that retirement can be scary and exciting. We, we mentioned that, right? You know, it is. You've been working since your teens, your twenties, and you're accustomed to work. You're accustomed to a paycheck. A lot of emotions go into it as you approach that retirement horizon. Brings out some new, new concepts, some new uh, theories you start to delve into and learn quickly about brush up on what's retirement versus what's, you know, distribution versus accumulation phase. You've been accumulating. And our job is to help you be more confident in your decision with the right tools, the right concepts, the right strategies to succeed. And we believe that, uh, you know, with the proper planning before retirement, and it's never too late to do the right thing, you can have success in this. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. The Talk Station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. And it really does all start with the plan. That means actually having a plan, knowing what you own and why you own it. So whether you're seeking advice on the old 401k, 43B, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, Social Security maximization, Roth conversion analysis, NUA analysis, and for some, perhaps even in-service rollover. All those and more we can help, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we have some locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, y'all. You know, James, you mentioned NUA analysis. If you have a highly appreciable stock of the company inside your 401k, contact us. Let's start working through that concept. Um, well, in advance of retiring, maybe you're not quite ready. You're a couple years away, but you know, this is true about you. Just give us a call. Let's start working on that. And, and whether that's highly appreciated versus just simply appreciated, is kind of a subjective issue. So in other words, you can perhaps separate the gains from your cost basis via the NUA conversion And that typically means you wind up with two separate accounts. You have a non-qualified brokerage account with the, from what was the gains, and then your cost basis typically goes to an IRA. So that's typically what happens. There's so many more details to that and the analysis before you do that. So the measure twice before you cut once 
is is the whole point about that. Again, the annual analysis for some, especially Procter & Gamble employees, other places like that, a uh, very, very useful way to turbocharge your retirement. Yeah, we're in a big city here in the tri-state area. You do have the P&Gs, the, the GEs, the Cincinnati Bells now renamed uh, Kellogg. It just goes on and on. And we can help with that. Bottom line, it reduces your overall tax liability, so you get to keep more of your money. And particularly as you transition into retirement, the more you carry into that new phase, hey, the better, right? And then when you hear terms like IRA, you know, qualified accounts, 401k, IRA, those are tax-deferred accounts. That means it's containing monies that have never been taxed before. Whereas when James mentions non-qualified, what's, what's that mean? It just means it's not qualified for special tax treatment like deferrals. It means you're dealing with after-tax money, and the only future tax is on the gains of that money. So separating this out from tax-trapped to already been taxed, and then knowing you're lowering your overall tax liability, that's the key. And there are a lot of people out there in that situation, I can tell you, James sees it all the time. He sees uh, folks take you know, less than good advice from folks who aren't qualified in a holistic way, and they're brokers that, you know, quote-unquote, make you broker if you're not careful. And you transition into a full rollover into an IRA, and you're holding this stock. No one ever mentions what you can do that would actually help you from a tax perspective. So working together, kind of like the Mayo Clinic of Financial Services, our holistic team assesses situations like that for your benefit. So, James, what about uh, I'm sitting out there about to retire or thinking ahead, and I'm saying to myself, can I afford to retire? Yes, and we hear that. Quite often where, where people come in and say, can I afford to retire? We, we ask, when do you want to retire? And maybe one of the most common responses is, yesterday. Can I retire as of yesterday? And, and we all wish that the answer is yes, that you could retire immediately. But really, it's not that simple. I mean, there's many factors to consider. Maybe a good way to think about this is like a teeter-totter where you have on one side your uh, assets, your investments, your savings, and then the other side, you have your expenses. So assets might be things such as your pensions, your, well, that's if you have a pension, your 401k, IRAs, even for some annuities. It also would include your, either your current or your prospective social security benefits. So also investments. And one that's maybe with an asterisk to attach next to it is potential inheritance. And for those that are still working, of course, at your salary and wages, that also goes into this. People who are self-employed, you know, that's a little bit more difficult to keep track of. But nevertheless, what you have for your self-employment income as well. Self-employment, what I mean a little bit more complicated is you have to separate your gross from the net. So when it comes to your self-employment, are you planning on and budgeting on what you have for your gross versus your net? Could be a very, very big difference. And then on the other side, expenses include things like your health care, your daily living expenses, discretionary versus non-discretionary spending. That just simply means what is your, what do you need versus what do you want as far as what are you going to spend money on? Long-term care, perhaps, uh, you know, do you have a plan for what could potentially be a long-term care stay? That means a nursing home stay. Or maybe how do you keep people in their home who might need some type of home health care assistance. So those are all keys to think about when you go and try to evaluate what could be seen as like a retirement seesaw and how to keep it balanced without tipping over to the expenses side being outweighing what your assets are. Greg, what's next? 
I just cannot retire. Let's say that you can't and you do anyway. And you, you just tell family and friends you're going to um, get a new home in the city. Now break that down. That means cardboard under a bridge. Don't live that way. That's not what well, maybe the other reminder, too, is when you're looking at paying for family expenses like the children or the grandchildren expenses is mom and dad's retirement comes first. And as long as you can pay for your own retirement and then also help fund the kids or the grandkids, that's a good thing. But again, your retirement comes first. So make sure that you're properly funded for that. Yeah. And you also define that as the millennial retirement plan might include uh, a small home called one of those perfect small houses on the back of mom and dad's backyard, hooked into their water and sewage with a long electrical cord to their outside outlet. That is, that's called, that's another example of premature retirement. You got to do it on your own merits. Uh, and that, that applies to everyone. So it's an important question. Can you afford to retire? Don't do it until you can, but you know what? Don't put it off too long after you're able to either. There's balance in life and there's even balance in this, this subject. So if you were to type in a Google search bar, can I afford to retire? You'd see a, a multitude of different retirement calculators pop up. Uh, granted, using some of those online calculators um, should not be used to determine the factor of whether you can or can't retire. But it's a good place to start. Just throw some numbers around. We can go way deeper and broader with that. We're glad to sit down and meet with you. First appointment, just come in, just share some facts about you. So it's all about you. Second appointment, it's all about the analysis and information we found about you and your money and your projection and your retirement. When can you retire? When do you turn on Social Security? What form of a pension, lump sum or payment or both or combination might apply? What's the status of your life insurance? Which part of your money you're willing to risk? Which part do you want guarantees of income for life from? Okay, what investment should you be in and why and at what risk level? How should you plan for legacy? How should you prepare for taxation uh, as a living reality and in passing, transitioning your state on a tax-friendly, tax-efficient, or even tax-free basis. How much of retirement do you want to be taxable versus tax-free? We can help you with all of that. We'll do tax preparation, tax advisory, investment management, income planning, financial planning. Bring it all together in estate planning, too. Make sure you see the attorney and get all your ducks in a row when it comes to medical and financial power of attorneys, a trust or will if needed, and so forth. So, it, it says you can you can start with the calculator to kick it around. But if you want to get serious, just come see us. It's complimentary. We'll make sure you know all the potential costs of working together, and you decide, being well-informed, making good decisions with good information, on if you see a fit in working together. It's really easy. A little bit of your time, a lot of our time and resources marry up to be good information for you, and then a potential working together to succeed on purpose in a relationship called advisor-client. So anyway, here's an example of the amount of money you might need the 25 times rule of thumb states that your savings are roughly 25 times larger than the amount you will need to withdraw from your retirement portfolio in the first year of retirement. Should you be in a good shape to do so? So what's an example of that? Well, here's a hypothetical. Let's determine your total projected annual expenses in the first year of retirement would be about 90,000. Okay. Second, subtract your predictable income, like subtract out social security or pension or rental income or other sources of income from that projected annual expense amount. And let's say that that, that came out to 40000 Okay, So 50000 is the annual amount you need from your portfolio. The amount from your investments from your portfolio to produce the cash flow added to your other sources of income, the 40 equals the 90 to cover the nut, they say, to cover the core expense. So you're successfully meeting your needs on a cash flow basis annualized month after month. Now, 
if you were to know, need to know and want to know how much of a nest egg that would be to produce that and make that work out, we'll multiply that $50,000 amount needed from the portfolio in one year to meet your expenses by 25 and you get $1.25 million. Okay, $1,250,000. So in that example, you need approximately $1.25 million in retirement savings in order to retire. And that rule assumes that your retirement will last 30 years into the future. So we want you to know that you need to be constructively unemployed and prepared for 20 to 30 years of a retirement life to maintain your lifestyle going forward. And as we all know, every situation is different. So again, that's just an example. And something to definitely take into consideration or factor into these analyses would be inflation. What is the expected rate of inflation? I know what this year's rate of inflation looks like versus what do we think next year or five years or 10 years into the future? And have you adjusted your projected cost of living or the expenses you need to live into those five to 10 years forward cost of living projections? So there's there's so much more to this. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Worth, and we are an independent registered investment advisory firm. We do work for clients and not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, James, we're, we're going to like now transition to some strategy. So if you're looking at ramping up some savings to play some catch-up, some ways to be more creative about saving more before retirement. James, thoughts on that? Yes. So a couple of approaches. One, it, it sounds a little bit maybe like I'm getting out of my lane or out of our lane when it comes to investments, but save or invest more aggressively. Now, that typically means we start with, if you still have your company plan, pay yourself first. Increase your contributions to your 401ks, your 403bs, even your IRAs or non-qualified plans. And again, non-qualified, the government satisfies this little you know, rule by this. If it's an IRA, if it's a 401k, 403b, the government considers those to be tax qualified plans. That means there's a restriction on that particular plan. If it's a non-restricted plan, it means it's non-tax qualified. So that's non-qualified for you. So small things do add up. And if you keep on track, you'll be glad that you did. And you'll have a plan that's going to help you succeed in retirement. But the saving more aggressively, I would say, or investing more aggressively, is maybe invest smarter. And Greg, what are some ways to maybe potentially invest in a maybe a smarter way? Well, two things, James. One is the actual action of finding ways to invest more and leveraging the time value of money. And the other is the methods, the strategies you use for the investments themselves. So I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, again, depending on who you listen to and why you listen to them, there's a different perspective to be had. For example, if you are um, just knocking yourself out, trying to pay down debt, throwing everything you got at it, you know, living off of uh, beans and corn just to make it happen because someone's programmed you to think the sooner you pay off the debt across the board, the better it is. Well, you're not only starving your present person self, you're starving your future self if you're not careful. 
What I mean is pay what you need to pay on debt, time to be eliminated at the point of retirement by age. So whatever time you have on the clock, eight years, 12 years, calibrate your debt to be paid off and satisfied then, satisfied in a way that you're making your minimum payments, maybe paying only a little bit above to the point that you're going to satisfy them on time, the time of your retirement. This excess money that you've been killing yourself to pay down these debts because someone told you so, uh, and they may or may not even be a financial expert, always check the quality of the person and the source of the information. At the end of the day, it matters uh, for you. This extra money you'll find, guess what? It's found money to be saved in for the purpose of your future person, which is you retired from the time you retire until the time you leave the planet. So there's a tip on reevaluate how you can save more aggressively in terms of dollars put in your future. Now the how-to. You know, we, uh, we're not a brokerage firm. We work for clients, not companies. We have solutions that you won't find uh, out there just wandering around bank to bank, uh, brokerage firm to brokerage firm, and, and, and responding to TV ads from companies that have football stadiums named after them and all that stuff. It's just different. So we have some hybrid investments. Now, some of the hybrid investments are out there so you can take an appropriate level of risk, maybe increase your result set as though you're investing more aggressively without actually doing so in terms of not taking the additional risk. So let's take an approach, share a couple strategies here. Um, let's, one is if you're more opportunistic and optimistic. This hybrid investment is called a buffered index portfolio. Okay, and if you're leaning a little more opportunistic, here's the thing. There is a participation rate based on the performance of an index over time. So let's say that time frame is 24 months. And then this, this real live example of this uh, lesser performing of the S&P or the Dow or NASDAQ. So there's three indices publicly traded, listed rather, that you can track for yourself. And their performance at the end of 24 months is when we take a measurement and say, how did it do? Well, how did it do for you depends on the following. Number one, participation rate. This particular buffered index boutique strategy of ours for you, if you're interested and like to learn more, maybe it's for you, maybe it's not. It's a 200% participation rate. That means the result, whatever it is, is going to be doubled. So if the S&P were to be up over a 24-month period by 30%, that'd be 60%. Number two, the cap. Of that 60%, this particular instrument has a 43% cap. So you wouldn't get the 60, you'd get 43, okay? But it took a 30% return and doubled it to 60, capped it at 43, and you just picked up 43%. Now, that's pretty interesting stuff without chasing lucky stocks and lucky stock picks and track record investing and all that goes with that. This well, is pretty straightforward. Well, Greg, let's let's use the long-term average of the market and use that as a projection. So the long-term average is about 8 to 10% annualized. So that means over two years, you got 16 to 20% if there only was a 100% participation rate. But in this case, because there's a 200% participation rate, that 8 to 10 doubles to 16 to 20 per year. That means over two years, you got between 30 to 40% which is still within the cap. So you would have gotten basically all of that performance in one of these buffered portfolios. Good point. Now let's say, James, the market didn't go up. It ended up down after 24 months. So the third element to a buffered index portfolio, other than participation rate and cap, is a thing called buffer. How much of the downside over 24-month period will it absorb? Well, in this particular uh, well strategy, it's 10%. So if the S&P 500 was the index that performed the least over 24 months and it was down 15% from where we are today, 
you would be down five. It would absorb the first 10. The buffer is 10. So remember, we set the stage with this being if you're more opportunistic and optimistic looking forward for the next two years and you think the market's more likely to be up than down, then you might want to be in something that would give you 200% of the upside and only 10% buffering to the downside. Now, if you're on the other side of the coin, and there's always someone out there on the other side, right? That's why stocks, some, sometime today, someone's going to buy PNG as an example, and someone else will and sell it. Two different point of views, right? Optimist, pessimist, opportunist. Uh, maybe you're just a little concerned. Well, this product has a strategy for you too. The buffered index version that is based on a 100% participation rate, meaning after, uh, in this case, 18 months, it'll be measured, the lesser performing the S&P or the Dow. So at the end of 18 months, what's the status of the S&P or the Dow, up or down? Well, the lesser of those two will be measured, and now the results will be what they are. What are they? Well, you get 100% of the outcome capped to the upside of 29%. So not 43%, it's 29%, a little less upside. Well, why less upside? Well, the point is, if it's up, you still get a good amount, right? Up to 29%. James already gave some of the annual averages over time. The buffer is the key here. You're the not-so-optimistic investor. You really can't afford it emotionally or maybe financially to experience the downside. So you need more of a buffer. So the limited upside in this case, limited a little bit, not 43, but capped at 29, goes invested into the protection of the downside. So in this case, the buffer is 20%. It'll absorb 20% of the downside. So if the S&P was up 30% um, over 18 months, you would get 29 of the 30 to the upside. If it was down 20, the buffer's 20, you'd be down zero. So we call them a hybrid because it's somewhere between getting all the markets upside, but also having some hedge to, to absorb and protect you from some of the downside. So anyway, just some thoughts. You don't catch these kinds of strategies walking into a bank or a brokerage firm or sit in front of your TV in between you know, um, quarters on, on the football game and commercials. Well, what if, um, what if you're interested in income now? You're in the, uh, the distribution phase, not the accumulation phase. What do we have for you in the, the buffered series? Well, it's something called designed income, and here's how this works. You have an index that's tracked. You have a period of time, in this case, three years. During that three-year period, the current, it's called a coupon rate. Um, to break this down, let's say you have $100,000 invested, and this coupon rate is 10% annual. Well, 10% annually is, what, $10,000 on $100,000. That's $2,500 per quarter. This will pay a coupon rate of interest to you of the 10% annually, so in this case, $2,500 per quarter, so long as, a couple other points here, something called a coupon barrier. At any quarter, any point during a, well, end of a quarter, if the market that it's linked to, the indice it's linked to, is down 25% or more, you don't get a quarterly payment, okay? That's pretty big. That's a pretty pretty big drop, particularly from where we are today. If it's less than 25% down over a quarter, you get your coupon payment. Go get your, your mailbox money of $2,500 in that 100000 Now, at the end of the three-year period, and only at the end of the three-year period, if that index is down 50% or more, you'll be exposed to the downside of that index, just like you would in market investing. But did you hear me? 50% further down than where we are today. That's a big difference. So after the first year can be called, you have to find another strategy because if it gets too good for you, it might be called away. But there's always something out there. Can you find 10% paid to you on your principal sum as an investment, as income? We have some solutions. That's, that's what we're trying to convey here. 
You deserve more. You deserve better. And we have a lot to offer. There's more. There's much more. I've wondered about the office. 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. And on behalf of Greg, myself, James, we want to thank you for listening today. Have a great week. And remember this. Sound Money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you.